Good morning, this is Doc Scott with my 90-day devotional, No More Cycles. Um, ready or not, here we come, right? Um, I find myself um, really kind of pondering on this thing. It's like there's something that's been going on, you know, and we talk about shame and um, whatnot. There's... Um, there's an aspect to this where I feel like the shame has been put on the church. And the shame that's on the church is in many places, but it's like we've been shamed out of the gospel. Meaning, we don't like, we only like certain parts. Like, you know, we have this cafeteria plan of all of heaven that we can access, right? But we only like certain parts of the gospel because, again, they're neat and tidy. So, for example, in most places, we all agree that we could pray, right? We could have a prayer meeting. Um, probably shouldn't make a lot of declarations or pray in tongues, but um, we can have a prayer meeting. Um, a lot of places, we could even pray for healing and anoint for oil. You know, we do this simple prayer. We just, boop, touch your little forehead and... You know, and that's it. We don't really lay hands. We just go to the elders. In other places, um, we don't even do that. And um, I think sometimes it's amazing to think about what's been worked out of the church and, and the kind of shame that we've had over the body of Christ, over the things that are ours. Like there's almost like an orphan mentality about what we're allowed to have. Well, you can have this, but you really can't have any of that because we don't really do healing prayer too much. You know what I mean? Or you can heal, but don't, don't, don't prophesy. No, 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 don't do that. Um, you know, we, we don't do that. That's, you know, and again, it's the same premise. It's the same pharisaical spirit that basically um, wants to keep things under wraps. But it's, it's pervasive. It's not like um, this level of shame is like pervasive. Um, how many people do you get around that you don't want them to know anything about your spiritual life because they're going to look at you like you're crazy? And I think it's time we just don't care. And I was thinking about this passage. This is a fun one. Because here's the problem when there's a shame over what all of heaven has to offer. What it means is, is that our eyes stay shut and our head stays in the sand and we never see the unseen real. We, we, we have more faith in um, what we can see and what we can actually is empirical. You know, um, we want a five-year business plan. We want for a ministry that starts up, um, we want to know um, everything that we want to make it something practical. We have a marketing strategy and it's like, you know, all of heaven has these things, and I'm waiting for people, and they are right now, that we're going to walk in divine wisdom because they had a download from heaven, and they walked into a company, and they solved their problems just like that. And I think that the reason that I think heaven is so avidly uncovering this shame is because Jesus wants to see us alive again and functioning in an awakened way as the church. What do you have to offer them? 
if the only thing I have to offer you is my cerebral Christianity, we'll both stay home. You know what I'm saying? Like, in other words, if the only thing I've got to give you is, and I'm just telling you, we've been talking about this thing about encounter-based realities. You know, we have to have an encounter. We were, good morning, Derek. We were, <laughs> we were never meant to be without the encounter. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom and demonstrated the kingdom. That You know, Paul said, look, I don't come with persuasive words, but in demonstrations of power. And suddenly we want all that to go away. But I don't think heaven wants it to go away. So here's this passage that I'm going to kind of pray out over us as I continue this one. You know, Elisha and Elijah, they always had kings and everybody trying to chase them down and kill them because they never liked what they said. So even then there was a lot of shame over the gospel. They didn't like the truth. But it says, the servants found Elisha and informed Aram the king, Elisha's in Dothan. So Aram's king dispatched a great army of warriors along with many horses and chariots, and they encircled the city of Dothan at night. The servant of the man of God woke up early and went outside. There he saw a great army along with many horses and chariots encircling Dothan. The only thing this guy sees right now is natural. And if all we want is to be a bunch of natural-seeing Christians, then that's what you'll reap. You will reap natural Christianity, which means you'll basically be a good guy and a good, or a good girl, get your gold stars and your little boxes checked. You'll probably start a ministry, or maybe not, and you'll go to all these nice meetings, committee meetings at the church, and at the end of the day, you'll feel really great. I don't know about that. Anyway, no sarcasm attended, right? <clears throat> so he goes to him. He says, well, Master, what are we going to do? Have no fear. We have more on our side than they do. Praying, Elisha says, this is the voice translation, O eternal one, I ask you to allow my servant to see heavenly realities. The eternal awakened Elisha's servant, to so that he could see and this is what he saw the mountain was covered with horses chariots of fire surrounding Elisha and when the enemy approached Elisha prayed eternal one I ask you to blind these people I love it flip it around we're not supposed to be the ones that are blind. We're the ones that are supposed to see into heavenly realities and call things as though they were not as they are. We're the ones that are supposed to be framing up reality with our words. And this pervasive shame that has covered our gospel is it's time to kind of just break out of that and really just care less about what people think. In other words, if we want to see transformation. This is what revival is all about. It's about transformation. We have to have the goods to deliver in order for there to be a transformation. I have worked with the generation for 20 years plus, and I guarantee you they are a show me generation. Every cerebral ascent, every mental ascent to the gospel, they've heard it all their lives. They don't want to hear any more words. They want a demonstration. I was working with a couple of uh, guys recently, and it was really refreshing, you know, um, just mentoring them. And um, the only thing that they could say that came out of their mouth, because I just whet their appetite. 
little Dave Hogan here, a little Todd White, a little bit, you know, just showing them um, Dr. Chauncey uh, Crandall, you know, raising his patient from the dead. And, um, you know, light stuff, but fun. Um, Dave Hogan raising babies from the dead. And they just said, I want the supernatural. I want that. And then when we prayed and they actually experienced God and his presence and his power on them, it becomes a tangible reality. It becomes something that they can touch and see. We have to move our reality of God that's been veiled in this shame that says we can only operate on this plane we have to remove that. We need our hearts awakened. We need the Holy Spirit. Father, we just declare that even now, that you are awakening us to the unseen real, even now. It's one of the things that I pray for everybody that I get an opportunity to pray for. Lord, open their eyes. Let them begin to see in the Spirit. Let them begin to experience and encounter heaven. Let them have encounters and dreams and visions. I mean, come on. It's all for us. You know, I asked my class the other day, I said, and this is just on healing, which I get it, you know. In the 50s, we had a lot of evangelists, you know, all through the ages we've had. We've had God come and try to introduce different things to the church, and there would be a movement, a healing movement, a prophetic movement. And, but we're still stuck there. In other words, there's more on this cafeteria plan that we're not accessing. And, and I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is raising up a generation that will access everything heaven has. And they will walk in manifestations of power and unusual signs, miracles, and everything. They will do the greater works. Here's the good news. We're supposed to be the one mentoring them. So it's not just something where, oh, you know, I, I get it, right? I remember Heidi Baker saying one time, she said, I see God giving what he's poured into me in 36 years, giving to a generation. I might get the months wrong. It's not the technicality here. But it was something like, they're going to get it in six months. That's the time that we're living in, accelerated, accelerated impartation. We always like to say the thing, we want our ceiling to be the next generation's floor. Well, here's the good news and here's the invitation. As we break off shame off of this gospel that's so glorious that we have all of heaven available to us, if you're in the mentoring spot, you get to have it all too. And we need it because we need to be able to give it away. We need to be able to mentor people, not in just having a quiet time and going to discipleship group. We need to be able to mentor them on how to see in the spirit, how to speak in tongues, be baptized in the Holy Spirit, how to move in healing and miracles and all of the gifts of the spirit. We need to mentor them in having a supernatural life where the supernatural is the normal. Right now, supernatural is not the normal, but think about it. This is a generation that everything they look at is supernatural. Come on. Every young adult novel and television that's out there, every show. Here's, okay. 
these guys, we think they've been wasting away in front of the video screen. We think they've been wasting away watching Supernatural. We think that they've been this and that and that, and we're writing them all off. Guess what they've been doing? Just because you don't like the form that they're in right now, God doesn't waste anything, and he uses everything. He uses everything that happens, and he turns it and flips it inside out and makes their very weakness their strength and empowers them to run with it. Kids that have been watching Supernatural for the last 10 years, what do you think they're prepared for? They're prepared for greater works. They're prepared for Supernatural. These are, this is a generation that will not miss a beat. Like for us, we had to be brought into it bit by bit by bit. Okay, I guess healing is okay. I, I guess Jesus did kind of proclaim and demonstrate. Uh, okay, well, let's pray for a sick. We've been... We've been on the long plan. They're on the short plan. They are on the very short plan. They're on the accelerated short plan. And regardless of what we think about what they've been immersed in, Jesus is still using it. He is using it to prepare them to step into a supernatural life without blinking an eye. It'll be natural, natural, natural to them. Natural. Absolutely natural for them. They are prepared to step into another identity. Every supernatural reality that they see in the books they read and the TV shows they watch has another identity. And they've been living vicariously through supernatural heroes. Come on. I have to go watch every Marvel book or movie that comes out with my son. Like, and half of the time, I don't even get it. I, I know Flash is Flash, and I know a couple things, but, and, you know, sometimes I'll be like, what's their fascination? I know what their fascination is. And with, what, what God is doing with the ceiling and the floor is the ceiling is really, really high. And we get to walk in as the 11th hour workers on a ceiling that's way up here, and we get to start there and make it our floor. And so there are two generations right now. There's one that are mentoring and one that are under them and another one coming. That's three. I lied. Go to meetings on Tuesdays. Just kidding. My point is, is that the ones who are standing in the place of mentoring are the ones that also get it all. And we're the ones that have to be going after heaven like there's no tomorrow. We're the ones that have to be availing ourselves to accessing everything that heaven has to see heaven come to earth. Because they're already going to step into it. And regardless of what we think about how they've been being prepared in the supernatural realm on their television show and Marvel comics, I guarantee you that's what, this, that's what God's up to with them. They're prepared. They're going to walk into it really easy. It isn't going to be hard to mentor this generation and the things of the supernatural. We have to remove the veil of shame that's been over the supernatural and actually like live out in the open and be who we are. We've got the goods. I remember one of the things that Sid Roth said to me. He said that every person that he's interviewed on his program, and if you haven't seen his program, this gets it's supernatural and watch every single episode because he interviews everybody who's moving in the Holy Ghost and doing 
incredible exploits all over the planet. They're tapped into heaven. They're tapped into that reality. And so um, the thing that he said for each, for, that was the common denominator for every one of them was they spoke in tongues all the time. We got to demystify this thing called tongues. We really do. It's not like we got to get it out of the closet and just be normal. Does it, does it really blow our mind that God would give us a language that is supernatural that we could actually control where heaven is praying through us? Like, really? Because I sat here yesterday and I was talking to one of the kids that I'm mentoring and one of these kids that I just love. And I looked at him and I said, <laughs> pardon the little metaphor, if I ripped your head off right now, do you know what would come out of you? I said, it would be like blinding light would come out of your body because one of the things we don't have a grid for is the unseen. Just like Elisha and his servant, we have to have our eyes awakened and open to the unseen. I said, so here's what you would look like. You would look like raw light and power emanating from you. What does it mean if the entirety of the kingdom of heaven is in me? It's not a metaphor. I'm an English teacher, not a metaphor. It means that I carry the entirety of the kingdom of heaven inside of me. And I said to my student, I said, here's the deal. Let me give you another analogy. I want you to imagine that heaven is pouring a bucket of oil on you, anointing all day long, all day. What happens when you do this or this or you do that or you touch someone? He looked at me, he said, it goes everywhere. I said, exactly. It goes everywhere. You, and when we have a heavenly mindset and we are awakened to that mindset, we see who we are very differently. We, all of the coincidence leaves, you know, we don't, nobody comes in this room by coincidence. It's a, it's a divine appointment. But when we walk in the reality of who we are, we see what we do differently and we see the impact that heaven wants to have when our eyes are wide open to heavenly realities. We see that maybe somebody in the classroom next door didn't off themselves because we, were, we, we showed up. And because we showed up there and what we carried in us, it was coming out of us. We don't know. Uh, you know, every person you touch, everything you do, do you think that you can't? Okay, let's think about it this way. Do you think that you can put your hand on somebody or walk into a room with the kingdom of heaven on the inside of you and not have something change in the room? We can handle it if we see, oh, Jesus walked in the room, right? If he walked in the room, we believe that the atmosphere would change. We, would, we believe, think about, all right, here's a picture I think is always fun. When he called his disciples, I always thought, dang, they just dropped the net and ran. Like they didn't give any thought. And one of the things I thought about when I saw that, I thought, <laughs> I can only imagine how much anointing and presence was emanating from him just because he was in proximity to them. And, if, and, and how could you, 
If anybody is confronted with the presence of Jesus, they want to jump in. There's something about that kind of presence and anointing that dismantles every single excuse and defense and everything, right? No wonder they dropped their nets. Oh my God, right? Because he was there and his presence and his anointing was exploding from him. Who wouldn't drop their net and run? If I can believe that about Jesus and he said, greater works you'll do, then why don't I believe that because I'm here in this room that the entire atmosphere of this campus is different? Why don't I believe that everything I touch has kingdom of heaven, it's laced with it? That I'm releasing stuff and that things are shifting in people's hearts around me because I showed up. Look. The way we get the shame off the gospel and open up the cafeteria plan is we have ourselves awakened to what heaven actually has. And we say yes to that. It is an awakening. It's just like Elisha. His servant needed to have an awakening from heaven in order to see into the unseen real, in order to actually have spiritual sight. But if our eyes were remotely open to that, how would it change what you did every single day of your life? When you walked in Publix, you know, my joke is about tongues. It's like I'm always praying in tongues. I pray in tongues all day long. Not everybody always hears me sometimes, but they do. When you walk into a place like Publix, you can do light tongues. But when you walk into Walmart, you got to get into that deep guttural stuff because of the warfare. I'm, I'm being funny about it. But my point is, you have to pray that way all the time. Sid Roth said that the one thing every one of those men that he, and women he's interviewed had in common was that. That you've got to avail ourselves to the supernatural in order to engage the supernatural. So I have to ignite what's supernatural in me so that I can be igniting more supernatural. Does that make sense? If I'm not sowing into anything in a supernatural way that God's given me, how do I expect to, to see any manifestation? Take what we got and run. And that I, my prayer is that my eyes will be open. That just like Elisha's servant, we just declare that the shame is coming off of your gospel, Jesus. And that everything that's on the plate is ours. And Jesus, I ask that you would awaken us to who we really are. Because if we knew, I'm going to jump out of my prayer and come back into it. If we knew who we were, everything about what you do would be different. And you would see what was, you would, when every room you walked into, we'd be doing Jesus's the gig. Hey, Father, what are you doing? He said he didn't do anything by his own initiative. He was always tapped in. If I'm always praying in the spirit and I'm always tapped in, when somebody walks in the room, I remember I was having lunch with Doug, a good friend of mine, and we were sitting here talking and two students walked in and I was like, whoa, stop. Part of me wanted to keep this conversation going, not be rude. The other part of me said, uh-uh, come over here. We got to pray for you right now. 
because we're listening. When I'm tapped in and I'm praying in the spirit and I'm availing myself and engaging the supernatural using what's supernatural that's already been given to me, then I'm going to have my eyes awakened and I'm going to see more. I'm going to see what's happening in the room. I'm going to see the agenda of heaven. I'm going to hear and I'm going to, I'm going to move. The reason I always say that my new policy on determining what's God and what's not in me is it's God. I don't have to overthink it anymore. How can I be in union with heaven and have all of the kingdom of heaven inside of me and have some desire like to stop and grab that person or to stop and tell that story or to stop and do whatever I'm doing? I, I, I don't really see the devil having a huge investment in that. The devil wants to keep us trapped in our head, keep us trapped into this cerebral Christianity. And I'm telling you, cerebral Christianity divorced of power is one of the enemy's biggest ploys. It's what he loves to do. Why? Because we're impotent. If we're mentoring a generation in the supernatural who's been preparing with all of their supernatural interest, everything they've been doing, watching their supernatural shows, their supernatural heroes, etc. I'm telling you, the template has already been drawn and inscribed in their DNA. They are primed and ready to walk in unparalleled power. So Jesus, open our eyes, awaken us, and lift the veil of shame over us that has kept us timid, kept us afraid of your gifts, kept us afraid of encounters and having a trance and having a heavenly encounter and having prophetic dreams, everything, angelic visitations. Come on. It's only shame that says that I'm not supposed to have all of that. And I'm telling you, shame is evil. And the evil one loves to infuse and propagate the shame to keep us bound to a lower reality that never keeps me out of my head and never gets me anywhere but just going to church and being nice and getting my gold star. I'm not for the gold star. I'm for the turn it upside down, inside out, radical, turn a generation on their head and launch them into their destiny. And as they step into destiny, the shame breaks anyway. How can you not step into a destiny and still feel like you don't belong? So Father, awaken us, awaken us, open our eyes to the unseen real. And we declare that we will and we are present continuous experiencing everything that heaven has and mentoring a generation that is already prepared and been being prepared even in the secret places, even in the places that we've deemed unacceptable. Jesus, you waste nothing and everything is converging for such a time as this. Thank you, guys. See you tomorrow. Blessings.